Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Hello Church. Welcome today. Wherever you're watching from, God is with you and we are together. So we are radically Bible-based. We have put ourselves out there and said that it is one of our main values. In fact, it is part of our DNA. It's what makes us who we are. But what does it mean to be radically Bible-based? And are we just paying lip service to an idea? Or do we really love God's Word? I want to read 2 Timothy chapter 3 today and just show you how you approach God's Word and how we interpret it. So we start off, it's a bit like a meal. You sit down at a table. The meal is in front of you. You set aside some time and space and preferably with other people. A meal is better with others. If you can study God's Word with others, that's great. But even if you're alone, you set aside some time and, you, and some space and then you pray. You say, for what we are about to receive, may the Lord make us truly thankful. Or let's pray, Lord God, show us light and life from your word. Help us, Lord. We submit ourselves to your word. Teach us in Jesus' name. Amen. Then we take God's word and we get an overview. Now, 2 Timothy chapter 3 is towards the end of the Bible. It's one of the letters that Paul wrote to Timothy. You can find that out just by a, a quick look at the letters 1 and 2 Timothy. It's quite obvious who's writing it, who he's writing to. Timothy is trying to be a minister or serve God in a church in another city, and Paul is writing to him. And so we have the context. We know roughly what this meal is all about. And then we're going to read through the passage. We're going to try and get an understanding of the big picture. And then we're going to focus in on a couple of scriptures. So verse 1 says, But know this, in the last days perilous times will come. What are the last days? What are the perilous times? For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. It sounds like the news at 6 p.m. That's what the world is like at the moment. And he's describing what people around are like. But then he says, from such people turn away. Does that mean I must avoid anyone who's a sinner? Last days, what is that? Turn away, what is that? For of this sort are those who creep into households, make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts. You know, this is an example of when you can take a tiny little part of Scripture and it can mean something different from what it was intended in its context. Paul was writing to Timothy about certain people in that place and he says, watch out for them. They are taking advantage of vulnerable women, especially. And there are some principles we can learn, but at the moment we're just getting an overview. He says, they're always learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapproved concerning the faith. 
He says there were two people called Janus and Jambres who resisted Moses. And um, these people are like that. They resist God's people. They resist God's work. Um, they are of corrupt minds, disapproved concerning the faith. Now that little phrase, disapproved concerning the faith, could mean so many different things. If you just took that without reading the rest of Scripture, you would get you could get a wrong idea of what that verse means. If you made a whole doctrine based on that little phrase without comparing it to all of the rest of the Bible, you would get a wrong idea of the truth. Disapproved concerning the faith could mean they were Christians and they've fallen away. Or it could mean they call themselves Christians, but they are not Christians. Or it could mean they are nowhere near being Christians. Or it could mean, some people say, that they were chosen by God to go to hell, which I don't believe. But you can see how you can take a little phrase. I've had people come to me with very sincere and concerned hearts saying, am I disapproved concerning the faith? Because they read a little passage and they didn't look at the whole of the Bible. So we've had last days turn away, disapproved. And he goes on to say, but they will progress no further. You say, Greg, aren't you going to explain this to me? Let's have an overview. We're sitting at the table. Your first thing is to understand the context of the passage we're reading. And then we dig in as the Lord leads us and as we want to find more. It's exciting. They will progress no further. Their folly will be manifest to all as theirs also was. He says they're not going to succeed in the long run. But then he compares them to himself. Paul says, but you have carefully followed my doctrine, my manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Antioch, Iconium, Lystra. You take just a little passage and you say, or just a few words, and you say, wow, I must go to Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. That's, that's not what this is saying. Paul is writing to Timothy and saying, do you remember what happened at that place and that place and that place? Do you remember what happened to us, Timothy? You were there. You saw how I lived, how I responded to hardship. I'm showing you the way. Understand it in its context before we start saying, what does this mean for me? What is God saying to me? Greg, why is this important? Because, friends, the truth is what we build our lives on. What you perceive as the truth is what you build your life on. If you think um, money is the most important thing in the world, you will spend your whole life chasing money. If you think um, whatever is important, what your perception of truth is determines how you build the house of your life. And God's word is a reliable and wonderful foundation that not just doesn't just keep us stable, but it produces fruit, leaves, prospering. In everything we do. It's a wonderful thing. So verse 12, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Now, I don't know if you've seen that, but that sentence is different to the sentence before. The sentence before he's saying, Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, these things happen. He's telling a story about something that happened. And suddenly he says, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. That's a different type of statement. The one is storytelling from which we can understand some truth. We can say if it happened to Paul, maybe it'll happen to me. 
If it happened then, maybe it'll happen today. If it's God's nature, maybe it's still God's nature. If it's human nature, maybe it's still human nature. From stories, you can deduce truths. But then you get a different type of sentence in Scripture, which is a statement of truth. All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. That's not a story. That is a statement of truth. Learn when you're reading God's word to say, what is this that I'm reading? Is it a story? Is it a, a letter written to somebody about that particular circumstance? Or is it a statement of truth that is true, no matter what, no matter who it's to? Because it'll help you to discern which part of Scripture to apply to your life in different ways. Other parts of Scripture are prophecy. The book of Revelation. John is, is seeing visions and he's prophetically speaking about things. Uh, many of the Old Testament books are prophecy. They are different. There are statements of truth in them. And often it's God speaking that statement of truth, which is even more powerful. Uh, there are truths that we can deduce and glean and, and understand from them. Other portions of scripture are poetry or songs. The Song of Solomon is poetry, but there is still truth in there. But the way the passage is written changes the way that we interpret it. You deduce truth from stories, prophecies, and poetry. Um, and there is still truth, and it is still important, but you deduce it. You take a truth from something else. But a clear statement of fact, which is what a lot of the New Testament letters are, is a clear statement of fact. It is true. Now, it may be put up against another statement of fact in another part of the Bible that seems to say something different. And then we put them together and we say, Lord, how do these two fit together? And because the same God wrote the whole book, they always fit together. But the errors occur where we take one without considering all helpful for us. Right. He goes on to say, all who desire to live godly will suffer persecution, but evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Again, another statement of truth. Evil men and imposters exist. They will grow worse and worse. They don't get better and better. They get worse and worse. That's one of the signs how you can tell that they are one of those types of people. They deteriorate. And they are deceiving and being deceived. It's not just that they're trying to deceive others. They themselves are often deceived. And that explains why they do some of the things they do. Then he goes on, verse 14. But you... Who is he talking to? Is he talking to me? He's talking to Timothy. But what he said to Timothy, I can probably, if my heart is wanting to know God's truth, I can say, mm, that could be for me as well. But you must continue in the things which you have learnt and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. You might say, but I haven't known the scriptures from childhood. Does this scripture not apply to me? Let me cross it out. It doesn't apply. No, there is a truth in there. If a person learns the scriptures from childhood, it benefits them in later life. Let me teach children. Let me go and help in, in children's ministry. Let me teach my children. Let me pray for my children. Let me put the scriptures around my house so my kids can see them. Can you see how we, we treat different scriptures in different ways? But there is, if my heart is looking for truth, 
truth is there. If I'm hungry when I sit at the table, food is available. Very interesting and helpful. Are you hungry? We are hungry. It's part of our DNA. We're hungry for God's word. Amen. He goes on to say, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. What is scripture? It's this little Greek word that means writings, but we see it throughout the Bible, this term scripture, and it seems to mean a body of writing that is clear and defined. It's not just any book. You can't just add any bit. It's a clear set of writings that he's going to tell us why they're special. He says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. You mean when Luke was writing Acts and he was writing a story of what happened, was that by inspiration of God? Yes, the story was God using a story to tell the truth about what actually happened, but also to put elements in there that could benefit us. You see, God knew we would be reading it 2,000 years later. He knew we would be eavesdropping on those conversations between Paul and Timothy and all the things that happened. And he said, I'm putting enough in there. Let's read on. He says, it's given by the inspiration of God and is profitable, useful, helpful. It is, it is a tasty, nutritious meal. What for? For doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. Doctrine, teaching, correction, telling me where I've gone wrong. Reproof, rebuking me where I need to be told off. And training me in righteousness. Instruction in righteousness means building me up so that I become more and more like Jesus. You see, if you want to be righteous, if you approach the Bible with the question, how do I be righteous? You get the answers. If you approach the Bible with the question, how can I prove it wrong? How can I find something that's wrong in here? How can I get the Bible to be squeezed into my point of view that I already had before. You don't get the right answers. You can get an answer. You can use parts of the Bible to justify any weird, wrong thinking you want. But if you approach it with the right attitude, God, teach me your way. Show me what you want. If I sit at the dining table saying, I want a nutritious meal, I will get one. And then he goes on to say, that the man of God may be complete thoroughly equipped for every good work. There is enough in Scripture to make you and I complete, complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Does it answer every question that human beings could ever think to ask? No. It answers the question, how can I be righteous? How can I get salvation? We've just read it says it makes you wise for salvation. How can I be righteous? How can I get salvation? And how can I do every good work that God wants me to do? If I'm asking those questions, there is so much there for me. But I've got to say, God, all scripture is God breathed. Not just take the verses that I want. Not just read one verse in isolation. You know, some Christians are very strong on saying, when you read a scripture, you must just read that passage. Don't jump around the Bible. And I want to say, this verse says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And so there are things that I need the rest of the Bible to help me with if I'm reading a passage. Because God never intended you to read one passage, one chapter, one scripture on its own. He said, I've given you scripture. Scripture. Beautiful scripture from Genesis 1 to the end of Revelation. Every single word is precious. Every single part of it is necessary. 
you know the balanced diet that you need to be healthy? Many people say you need five veg vegetables and fruit a day, or some say seven, and some say you need this vitamin and this, and all these different types of food groups. You need every word in the Bible to be a healthy Christian, every word. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. God's word is all important, all necessary. And if there are just some passages that you're taking and you're ignoring the others, you will not get a balanced diet. And in fact, you will probably be taking the Bible and trying to use it to produce a wrong conclusion, which is not going to help us. So let's use the Bible to look at those words we weren't sure about. He says in the last days, right at the beginning, he says in the last days, perilous times will come. This passage doesn't tell me what the last days are, but other passages do. Acts chapter 2 verse 17 and various other places say we are living in the last days. That means from when Jesus came until when Jesus comes again, that whole period is the last days and we are living in it. And that helps me because it defines what I'm looking at. It means that what he said to Timothy in this book still applies to me. I can't understand that phrase unless I look at the rest of Scripture. I can look at human opinion. I can look at other people's ideas, but that won't help me. The definition that I need for any Scripture that I don't understand is within Scripture because it's God-inspired. The definition of a word, a phrase, a, a, a teaching is always, if I can't understand it, it's somewhere else in this beautiful, rich Scripture. The last days is now. Uh, let's go to the next one. He says, from such people turn away. And remember I said, does that mean we turn away from anyone who's evil? No, it doesn't. If I read in 1 Corinthians 5, he says, I've told you to avoid certain sinful people. And then he says, do I mean those who are of the world who are sinning like that? No, I don't, because then you would have to leave the world. He says, I'm talking about a brother who calls himself a Christian, but then lives in a certain way. He says, turn away from them. And he defines the sins that he's talking about. He says there are certain sins. It's not just somebody I don't like. It's not just somebody who I think is you know, sinful in some vague, nebulous way. No, there is a certain list of sins. And I'm going to talk about that now again with the next one. He said there are some people who are disapproved concerning the faith. And this same word, disapproved, occurs several times in the New Testament. Paul says, I am a servant of God, but I buffet my body so that I won't be disqualified or disapproved at the end. So that means that it is possible for even Paul to think that he could have been a Christian, but then he might be disapproved. So it's possible for a person to be disqualified as a Christian. Now, if you're like me, immediately your mind is thinking, oh boy, what does that mean? Who's disapproved? How do I know if I've been disqualified? And the same term, disapproved, is used in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 8. The verses in Hebrews 6 just before says, it's impossible for a person who's tasted the heavenly gift and the, the powers of the age to come, if they fall away, to be brought back to repentance. And then he says in, in verse 8 that they are disapproved or disqualified. Um, 
And the sign of a person who was a Christian, they tasted the heavenly gift and the powers of the age to come. They were believers, but they fell away. He says, it's impossible for them to repent. So what does that mean? I take from that that some people can be Christians and then be disqualified. But the sign of them, the, the hallmark, the, the emblem that tells me if I am in that category is that I can no longer repent. Can you repent? Can you say, Lord, I'm sorry that I've wondered. Lord, I'm sorry that I, my heart has grown cold or hard. If you can still repent, you are not disapproved. You are not disqualified. Can you see how using other parts of Scripture is necessary to understand the Scripture that we're looking at? And when you take just some of the other parts, you get a wrong picture. If you take just some of the Scriptures and you say, let me just take that or let me listen to what one preacher says about it. You may get the wrong picture, but when we look at the whole scripture, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Then we get the right picture. Can you see why we love scripture? Why we're radically Bible based? He goes on to say, the holy scriptures are able to make you wise for salvation. How do I know what the holy scriptures are? Well, Jesus when he was walking on earth, quoted and used the Old Testament extensively. And he called it scripture. He called it God's words. He said it must be fulfilled. He said it is written whenever he was coming to a conclusion of any argument. So Jesus tells us the whole of the Old Testament is scripture. Then his own words, Jesus said, the words that I speak to you are God's words. And Paul said the same. He said, is anyone discerning among you? Let him acknowledge that the words that we speak to you are the commands of God. Peter said the same. John said the same. And so we get, and Paul quoted Luke's writings and said it's scripture. So we get from the New Testament enough evidence from within itself to know which verses are scripture. And then at the end of Revelation, it says, don't add to this book. Don't take away from it. And we know that the scripture is finished. We're told in other places that we have been given the faith that was delivered once for all. It's not going to change. The scriptures can't be added to or taken away from. This thing called the Holy Scriptures is a gift from God. It's like a meal that is fully nutritious, that can make you able to do every good work and complete for everything you need, wise for salvation. God has given us the scriptures and he says they are given by inspiration of God. So what do I do with this? I love God's word. We, we value his word. We read it. We digest it. But we approach it with the right attitude. We say, God, I'm hungry, but also, God, I'm humble. In James chapter 1, it says, receive with meekness or with humility the implanted word which is able to save your soul. I receive it with humility. I don't say, God, I'm better than your word. I can decide which bits to apply and how to apply it. And I can find an expert who, who will say what I want to make the Bible fit into my little uh, shape. No, I approach it with humility. I say, God, teach me. Teach me a way. Teach me a way. You know, in Spain, there was an advertising campaign to help children who were being abused at home to find help. It was a child helpline and they put posters up in all the supermarkets and all the main places. But the posters were designed in such a way that when an adult from a certain height looked at the poster, it said something innocuous. 
um, like child helpline. But when a small person looked at the poster, it was designed that the writing said something different. A small person who looked at it, it would say something like, are you being abused? Call this number or something so that the child could get the help they needed. Friend, if you and I approach the Bible as if it's just any other human book with a proud attitude from a high point and say, I'm going to judge the word of God, we don't get the right answer. Jesus said in John 7, 17, if anyone wants to do God's will, he will know if the words that I speak come from God. I've got to come with a humble, low attitude like a child and say, I am below your word, God. Show me, teach me. I open my heart. I receive with meekness and humility the implanted word that is able to save my soul. And that is why we are radically Bible based. Everything else is sinking sand. God's word is life. It is hope. It is truth. It produces fruit in us. It produces power in us. We get everything we need from God from his word. And so we are radically Bible-based. We teach it. We love it. Friend, are you radically Bible-based? We love you. God bless you. Lord God, teach us your word. Show us your word. Open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to understand what you're saying to us. Lord God, show us more. Lord, if there are areas in our lives where we have taken some scriptures out of place or or use them wrongly show us the fullness of your word lord thank you for all of scripture please give us a balanced diet and help us never lord to get so proud that we stop looking for your word and for your truth teach us in jesus name we pray amen god bless you thanks for listening please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.